You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Second down and two, the handoff to Penny. At the 15, at the 10, at the 5. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and 10 at the Seattle 40. Play fake Stafford. Going to stop, going to look. Gets hit, goes down. Back in midfield. Getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor. Presented by Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Now, here's your host, Jen Mueller. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Seahawks Insiders Podcast. I feel like I have to reset things a little bit. John Boyle from Seahawks.com. Not as loud this time. It's not. It's true. (laughs) That's true. We have recently done a podcast in front of fans in Germany. Then we had a bye week, so it was super quiet. And now it just feels a little bit weird on a holiday week. The Seahawks don't have a normal schedule. I am so far out of whack. It is unbelievable. I Literally on Monday, didn't know what day it was. Yeah. Because we were practicing on Tuesday, so I was all off. You know what I have done? I've done the very responsible thing, and I've made sure to bank a few workouts, because that's a thing. You got to get to guilt-free Thanksgiving. Right. And I'm making pies ahead of time. There you go. Pies, plural. Pies. Why I had to bank my workouts. John. Yes. My <laughs> wife made a great pecan pie for dinner the other day. Wait a minute. What dinner kind with of friends pie? the other dinner? Pecan pie? Pecan? Yeah. Pecan pie pecan. would be my favorite pie of all I, time. I'm mispronouncing <laughs> it. <laughs> it just depends on pecan, what part of the country pecan, you're from. Whatever. Those of us from the South will say pecan. And I think that's probably more proper because we'll, we'll give the Southerners more credit on There you go. Pecan pie. It is the best pie. Yes. In the world. I you know don't, why? Because watching need her tweets. make it, it's like all sugar. Why do you think it's the best pie in the world? <laughs> I guess I just A little didn't, protein didn't with the pecans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we should probably talk about football. But again, it feels weird. The Seahawks coming off the bye week. How much football did you get a chance to watch, John? And what were your takeaways from any of the games played by division opponents? Well, Jen, I have three small children right. who I hadn't seen for the previous five days in Germany. So... I didn't watch a lot of football over the weekend. I'm not going to lie. So, you know, I tried to check in on the scores here and there and see what was going on around the division. I, I you know. You haven't quite gotten them into the, the football watching. No, they're not really on coming Sundays, around. Yeah. The one thing I can kind of do sometimes if we tell them there's no cartoons that day. But, you know, if their choices are. <laughs> you lie to your children well, to no, no, watch not, football. Not to lie. No, I no, like no, where no, this no, is no. going. Like on weeknights, we don't usually do cartoons. Oh, so, so Monday so night. So like Monday or Thursday, if their there choices are football or nothing, they might choose to stare at a football game even though they don't care. Again, good force feeding. Yes. I like it. You're force feeding fandom. I, I like this. I do what I can. What were your takeaways from around the division, though? I mean, the biggest thing is just the 49ers look very legit. I know they've kind of had some ups and downs, but watching what they did against Arizona, who, look, they're struggling. The Cardinals have had some issues, but there's still some talent on that team, and 49ers took it to them pretty strong. So, to me, that's the biggest thing when I see that is just, you know, the Seahawks, you know, they're still in great shape, 6-4, and four, a lot of home games coming up, but this is not going to be easy to win this division with the 49ers out there. No, it's not. But Seattle has everything in front of it, despite the loss to the 49ers in week two. I would also say that while Seattle saw a very strong 49ers team in week two, Seattle wasn't nearly what it is now back then. Seahawks are playing at a much higher level than in week two. So, and you get that game at home on a Thursday night, on a short short week, short week at home. A lot, a lot of things to like about that matchup. 
We're and getting way ahead of ourselves. I know though, Jeb. we are getting We're way ahead week, of ourselves. What fifteen? But I know Pete Carroll would not be happy with That's us. That's true. I know every week is a championship opportunity. We will talk about this week. But you mentioned the Seahawks playing at home. That's already been something that the guys have been circling and targeting. We spent a lot of time on the road already, and I do think that these home games are coming at the right time, despite the fact that I could be freezing and in a rainstorm on Sunday. But the guys have talked about how much the 12s can help and the advantage of the schedule down the stretch, which at the beginning of the year, you would not have looked at this schedule, playing the Raiders with that talent, having to play the Rams twice. You know, you knew that the Niners were going to be good and you knew that Kansas City was going to be good. But this really is a nice push at the end for the Hawks. Oh, for sure. And I think the biggest thing to me, and I'm not the first one to make this point, but the, the home crowd has just felt a little different this year. And Pete Carroll brought up the point. I think the opener kind of set the table for that. Of There's just so much going on with that game, obviously with Russell Wilson being here, being the opener. And it's just felt a little louder, a little different, kind of maybe. I, I don't want to say that wasn't a good home field advantage in recent years, but it just maybe hasn't felt quite the same. And some of that was, you know, COVID limited things a little bit last year as well. Obviously there were no home fans in 2020, but you look the home record, you know, the last four or five years hasn't been quite as dominant as earlier in the Carol Schneider tenure, or even before that. So it, let's hope we can get back to just making it feel almost impossible to win in this building and have it be nice and rowdy on Sunday. I do think that much like the team having a new energy around it, I do think there's a little bit of a new energy around the 12 sure. too. Yeah. I mean, the fan base is still the fan base, but there's, there is something a little bit different about the buy-in for this young group of, t- of guys. Absolutely. And there's just the excitement that builds with, you know, maybe fans weren't coming in with real high expectations and they get a little surprised by it. And it's, there's something just a little more fun about that kind of season sometimes than if it's just everyone's expecting it to be good. Well, and those young guys getting a break at probably a good time because for most of them, it came after what would have been a full college season for them. You watch them on the practice field this week. They are bouncing around, but Pete Carroll was very careful about turning his guys loose after a week off. Yeah, yesterday we ran uh, the guys and, and worked them out in preparation for today. And today we talked specifically about you know, easing our way into the, 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 the tempo. And uh, so we're taking a little extra time in the individual and the coaches are all aware of it and the players have been warned a couple times, let's not try to do too much too fast too soon and, and get ready. And we got a good week here that we can we can ramp it up. Um, but there's always a little bit of concern coming off the off the week. We asked our we asked our guys to, to be real active over the week and, and uh, you know to make sure that they, they stayed, you know, after but um, we still need to be careful today. You know, you and I talked about this briefly during practice yesterday. It just it seemed very spirited for a you know no pads, seemingly lighter practice where guys just I think there's just a little bit of that pent up energy where to to Pete's point they have to you know kind of rein them in a little bit because guys they've been going so fast and going hard all year and they get that break and I think you know I, I think I jokingly compared it to my kids if they haven't gotten out and played enough in a day they just have that extra energy and I, that's kind of what it felt like at practice so. I think the buy, you know, definitely came at a good time for the young guys in particular, as you said. And the thing to go back to that point of they've played, you know, maybe the equivalent of a full season. If you look at a veteran guy, like let's say Quandre Diggs, like, yeah, the preseason, those games happened, but he didn't play that much. But all these rookies, they played most, if not all of those preseason games as they were competing for jobs and things like that. So they really have played a legit like 13 game season already. So that was a that was a good timing for a break for those guys. Well, and you talk about how spirited it was. I think part of it is you're trying to get back on track and just 
like get rid of that bad taste from Germany. We had a blast there and we talked about that game a little bit. But the bye week is also a chance to do some self-scouting and evaluation. And you go back to what happened in Germany, and it was very uncharacteristic for the first half of the game. And if Pete had to point to one thing that stood out that has got to be fixed this week against the Raiders, well, it's third down conversions. We didn't get going. And, um, I mean, there's some stuff I really don't want to comment on, but we, we didn't we didn't do well in, in the first half. And, and uh um, but you know, to, to really tell you about it, it's if we if we fail that much on third down, you don't get the chances to, to develop the, the game plan, and we didn't get it. We've been in that situation where we've talked like that before. You know, we didn't. I don't think we converted in the first half. Or we had one if we had any, and uh, so we never got rolling. And so we, we the game became a different game for us. You know, different than we would we generally would play. And uh, but we got to get back to the running game. We got to get it going. Yeah, that. That answer was in response to a question about the running game. That's why he ended with that comment. And it's hard to get a running game going when you're, as, point, as Pete Carroll pointed out, you're 0 for 5 in the first half, five punts. You just, nothing going there. You fall in a big hole, and now all of a sudden you're playing from behind and throwing more. And they, they did find some success in the second half. But you got to get those early conversions where you're keeping your offense on the field, keep, or keeping the other team's offense off the field. And, you know, some of that's third down, but as we always say, it's it's all the downs that set up third down. They had a lot of third longs because of some penalties, some plays just didn't work out. So, yeah, that, you know, that offense needs to start off a little better. And you could also point to third down on the defensive side after that game of, you know, Tom Brady and company were deadly on third down there. So got to get back to being better on third down on both, both sides. So you look at this game, and we were talking about this off-air just a couple of minutes ago. It's kind of an interesting matchup. There, there seemed to be some obvious matchups that favor Seattle. You talk about the offense and getting things going. That Raiders defense is allowing quarterbacks to complete about 71% of their passes. You know, it it seems like for as much as you want to get the run game going, I'm kind of looking at the wide receivers and thinking there's some big gains that could be made downfield. Yeah, there's definitely some opportunity there. It's an interesting defense. You know, they've got Max Crosby has been one of the better defensive players in the league this year. And, you know, among the league leaders and tackles for loss, sacks, all these things. But outside of him, it's been really quiet for that front. They, you know, I, just, I think it's no one else has more than one sack out of the entire group. So, uh, you know, he's going to be a headache. But outside of that, you look at, you know, there are a lot of matchups you feel pretty good about if you're the Seahawks offense. Again, looking to get started a little better than you did in Munich. You talk about Max Crosby's numbers. How about for the season? He's got nine sacks. That is tied for fifth most in the league. He also has the most tackles of any DN this season with 63. He is also the league leader in tackles for loss with 16. To your point about the sacks and the production from everybody else, the Raiders have 13 total sacks. That is the fewest in the league. Right. So when we think about matchups downfield and getting Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf against those DBs, I want to know why Seattle has these numbers. John, nine of their touchdowns have been on balls that have gone 20 or more yards past the line of scrimmage. That's a lot. Yeah. 17 of their touchdowns have been receiving touchdowns. Nine of those 20 or more yards past the line of scrimmage. Why? I mean, I think it starts with the guy throwing it and the weapons he's throwing to. They've got, I mean, Tyler Lockett, we've seen Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf for years be two of the better deep ball targets, both in terms of getting open and making contested catches. 
And then, you know, we've seen just great accuracy and good decision-making from Geno Smith all year, really throwing all over the field, but he's good at stretching the field like that. And that's also just by design what Pete Carroll's always wanted offense to be. He wants to run the ball and do all that, but he also wants to be really explosive in the passing game. And part of those things tie together. If you're running the ball well and you're forcing teams to, to play heavier boxes, you're going to get more favorable matchups to take your shots. So I think it's everything. I think it's schematically how they want to do it. And I think it's also the, the guys he's throwing to and the guy throwing it. Well, and the other thing that the Raiders defense, I almost said Oakland. I've done that a couple I times. I almost did it. I the still other... say San Diego, and they've been in L.A. for a couple of years now. So. Yeah. I try to just go mascots at couple, that point. A few years. Uh, the other thing that the Raiders' defense has struggled with is takeaways. Yeah. Just three interceptions. So you think that some of those deep shots, even if you are taking even more of a chance, you kind of think that there's the opportunity to do that. Now, on the other side of this matchup, you talk about wide receivers that can dominate a game. Oh, boy, there's one of the best yeah. in the business in Devontae Adams. We can take a look at his numbers, but we should also hear what Pete Carroll appreciates about his playmaking ability. Every challenge that a guy could bring you. I mean, he's an incredible player. Um, he's, he's so gifted and, and such a great competitor that he seizes the moments all the time. You know, the catches, the opportunities, the big plays. I mean, just look what he did, you know, like last week. And it was just classic. And, and an incredible route that he ran and, and a concept to, to get open. Um, but he just came through again, you know. And you can see why if he's on your team and then he leaves, you, you're going to have a space, you know, that's hard to fill. Because um, he's, they, I think they've targeted him forty something times in the last three weeks, you know, and, and so, uh, you know, he's deserving and, and capable, and whether you know it's, he, he can tell you I'm running the route almost, and can still be effective. So he's a great player. He's he's the top guy we've seen. Pete Carroll can rave about Devonta Adams because they've seen him a lot in those, all those matchups with Green Bay over the years. And he was so deadly then, and he's doing it now there. As Pete Carroll said, 40-some targets. It's 44 targets in the last three games alone. His yardage in those games has been 146, 126, and 141. Five touchdowns, including the game winner in overtime last week. So, yeah, I mean, he is a handful. They will force the ball his way. And uh, just like we talked about with some other guys, Hopkins, Evans, it's going to be fun to see, you know, the times that Woolens matched up with him, see that matchup play out. Well, and you wonder, too, if there's a, a little extra help or if you just let Tariq kind of do what he's done. He hasn't needed a whole lot of help this year. He's he's more than managed his own. Yeah, I mean, Adams is a guy they'll move around some. So it's sure. not, you know, this isn't just going to be a man-on-man matchup. Correct. But I, I don't think when he's over on that side with Woolen, you're going to necessarily feel like, oh, we got to, you know, roll a safety this way every time. I mean, Tariq Woolen's shown he can... He can run with anybody. He's big enough to play with just about anybody. So I'm not saying he's just going to shut him down and there's no catches for Adams out there. I think he's too good to completely lock down. But, yeah, I, I like you know Wollin's chances to, to be in a good battle with him. You talk about rolling a safety over. How about if we talk about one of the safeties who became I, – I don't want to say the breakout star in Germany because that's not exactly true based on you know kind of the outcome of that game. But Ryan Neal – was an absolute star in all of the interviews, picked up like 5,000 new followers on social media, just really appreciated the love. And I think what we appreciate more 
is how he fits into this defense. It does, you know, um, and really the are leaning towards you know some more stuff that we've done with the safeties in the safety position part of you know Jamal being part of the thing uh, you know the program and all that um, has just opened up more opportunities and you know we you remember back when we uh, first went with uh, Ryan it was a couple years ago maybe uh, at the dime position you know and it, we we picked things up we got a little bit better and, and he helped us well now he's that's just regular stuff for him to play you know so he's playing nickel and dime and, and base and he, he can do a little bit of everything now so. Um, versatility, his confidence, and just growing with experience. You know, he's he's a good football player. Yeah, you know, Ryan Neal has played a decent amount the last couple of years, unfortunately, due to injury, where he started, I think it was nine games the last two years for Jamal Adams. And really solid player, and you felt good about having him out there. But it just feels this year like he's taken another step to where he's not just giving you, you know, solid backup starter caliber play. He's playing at a Pro Bowl level. When you look at all the different numbers, you know, if you look at like pro football focus ratings, you look at the, the forced fumbles he has, the tackles. I mean, he's doing so many things well out there. And I think, you know, as Pete Carroll was talking about, some of that is some of the changes they've made schematically on defense this year seem to fit his game really well. But yeah, I mean, he's what a luxury to have him to just pop right in and take over when you have a real unfortunate injury early in the season. Yeah, Ryan Neal is flying all over the field. The Seahawks not flying very many places during the final stretch of the season, but it doesn't mean that we aren't going to pause and get a few words from our presenting sponsor. The best stories aren't the ones you're told. They're the ones you live. Meeting people in person. Facing challenges face-to-face. Getting out of your hometown and your comfort zone. Delta knows how important it is to see a different point of view from a different point of view. So for those who want their own story to tell, Delta Airlines has a world full of places to start. Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Okay, we are not traveling anywhere on a plane. You might be traveling to spend a long weekend with family and friends. What is the dish that travels best? Traditional, like Thanksgiving, fall holiday item. <laughs> very non-serious that travels Best. Yeah, travel's great. Can of cranberry sauce. <laughs> <laughs> right. You say that right up until it's unsecured and it starts rolling around in your back seat and then yeah. the kids kick it and then it's dented. But hey, it's a can. Who cares if it's dented? It's a can, <laughs> a can of red goo. You don't care. First of all, I like cranberry sauce. I like sauce. a can. Someone asked that if you read this week's Seahawks mailbag, that was a question, the canned or the homemade. I do like homemade. I, I, homemade's I like- probably... The actual correct answer, but just nostalgia. I, I just remember as a kid, like slicing. No, the, that's not the kind we had. The can we had the can, but the berries kind. Oh no, I had the can that's like a log yeah. that you just yeah. Every you still see the lines of the can. In it. it goes it goes really well as a spread on sandwiches. Yeah. Now, what is the dish you would want to hate to put in the backseat of your car and travel someplace with? I mean. A lot of them don't seem to travel well. <laughs> you know, the, a, a pie that's sold, got a delicate crust could be dangerous. A whole bird would be tough to that's travel. That's what I'm thinking. I'd worry about, like, the juices. I mean, right. hopefully you didn't dry it out too much, so you're talking about some right. liquid issues. and yeah. <laughs> Right. I, I feel like if you're doing the turkey, you should be the one hosting, though. So That really hopefully would make we're the not, most sense. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully we're not traveling. Everything better. else, if you make it like a casserole, it's pretty easy, right? Yeah. I mean, mashed potatoes aren't going anywhere. Stuffing's not going anywhere. Unless somebody accidentally kicks it over or it's not secured in the back seat. 
Okay. Well, uh, let's avoid all of those travel mishaps and just enjoy some time with family and friends. Hey, we've got a couple of more points to hit here. I know that it is easy to look at the record for the Raiders, John, and say that they have only won three games. Two of those games have come against the Broncos. We know the struggles for Denver this year. One of those wins came against Houston. But if you take a look... Three of their losses have been by five points or fewer, including really close games against Tennessee and Kansas City. You cannot look at some of these surface numbers that we've talked about and think that uh, this is an easy exactly. game. Yeah, I mean, they've been in just, they, they got kind of blown out just by New Orleans, but basically every other game, they've been right in it down to the wire. They've had some pretty big leagues they couldn't hold on to in some of those games, so yeah, you can't, you know, there's a ton of talent on this team. We talked about some of the guys. You can't look at that record and just be like, oh, here we go, easy win, chalk it up, move on to 7-4 and four and think about next week. I mean, this is going to be a tough test. I think they'll make it a close game, and you're going to be battling. All right, so what are the two things you need to see for a Seahawks win? I mean, we talked about him already, but I'm going to take the easy one and say, Adams, you got to you got to slow him down a little bit. I think their offense, a lot of what they do on offense goes through him, obviously, so Let's keep him under seven or fewer catches and under 100 yards. I would take that. No touchdowns. Let's keep him out of the end zone. Okay. Uh, what should we do with the other side of the ball? Maybe just don't turn it over. You mentioned their uh, inability to get the takeaways. Let's not help them out there and keep, keep the ball in our possession. I think you'll score a lot of points if you do that. Okay, here's what I'm going to go with. Derek Carr looked rejuvenated at points last week. He threw for over 300 yards. That was the second time he has done that this season. 15 touchdowns to just five interceptions. I'd like to see him under 240 for total passing yards. And I'd like to see that defense come up with a pick. Yeah. especially with as fired up as these guys are. I mean, defense should be able to do that. On the other side of it, we mentioned Max Crosby, uh, and you've got Chandler Jones, who has caused a lot of problems mm-hmm. for the Seahawks over the years. Just keep Geno clean. Yeah. That was a bit of a problem in, uh, in Germany. Just keep him clean. Give him a chance to let those long developing routes get downfield. Yeah. I think we're all Chandler Jones is kind of scarred Seahawks fans of even if he's having a quiet year so far. Yeah, I'd so many not sacks to hear. against the Seahawks. Yeah. So let's let's not let him. Keep let's going. not hear his name at all on Sunday. That would be our preference. And of course, we will be back with you next week to break down what we saw on a brand new edition of the Seahawks Insiders Podcast.